These warblers and other neotropical migrants flew a thousand miles without food or rest to find this urban rest stop. Now they joust for territory with song sparrows, chickadees, and robins. There's so many birds I'm hearing right now. Suzanne Tomasi, wildlife biologist and international birder, is our guide on a slow stroll through Seattle's Longfellow Creek. The creek and Greenbelt are a bird mecca, running water, native plants and trees, and a bit of security. Tomasi hears a junco, then a yellow-throated warbler. And there they all are at once. The feeding and nesting this creek and greenbelt offer are critical to bird survival, she says. Because if you're a bird and you're flying over an urban area, when you get to that green patch, that's going to be your opportunity to refuel for the rest of your trip. Bird refuge can be found in any urban area, big or small, that offers undeveloped land, tree cover, chemical-free plants and grasses. Birds are under constant threat with the loss of habitat, pesticides, climate change, and the biggest urban threat of all, according to numerous studies, cats. It's simpler than you think to draw birds to your own habitat, says Tomasi. But if cats are near, the birds are in jeopardy. I love cats. I have cats of my own. I would never let them outdoors because the truth is they eat wildlife and they eat it more prolifically than we've ever thought. One project out of the University of Georgia put critter cams, tiny cameras, on cat collars that showed them killing much more than previously was thought. Providing for birds with feeders and water, cautions Tomasi, isn't compatible with cats. It's just heart-wrenching when when the little goldfinch you've been watching for a month ends up dead or your cat brings it to you or... The top declines in birds nationwide are of those who spend a lot of time on the ground, the white-throated sparrow, eastern meadowlark, and northern bob white, according to the American Bird Conservatory. As for migratory birds, it's potentially worse. Many migrants will stop off to search for a bit of food to get them through the next leg of their journey, not be familiar with the area, and become vulnerable to cats. As forests and grasslands continue to be degraded, birds are forced into subprime real estate in order to survive. The real estate often includes cats. Relish the sounds of birds in this not-so-silent spring, and you may assume all is well. But in Washington, many are endangered or under threat, including sandhill cranes and snowy plovers, greater sage-grouse, American and brown pelican, hawks, and marbled murelets. Certain species of sparrows are being monitored. Seattle Audubon's birdweb.org has details. Since Rachel Carson's groundbreaking book, Silent Spring, was published over 50 years ago, demonstrating the link between spraying for pests with the death of robins and salmon, new generations of chemicals have been formulated for agricultural and urban use. The most pernicious, says American Bird Conservatory pesticide program manager Cynthia Parker, are neonicotinoids, or neonics. They're the most widely used insecticide in the world and are found in nearly 600 products, including flea collars and fruit and vegetable seedlings grown in soil containing neonics. A single kernel of corn coated with the chemical can kill a songbird, says Parker. As little as one-tenth of a coated seed per day during the egg-laying season can impair reproduction. After reviewing 200 industry studies obtained under the Freedom of Information Act, they learned that levels of neonics in surface and groundwater are already high enough to kill aquatic invertebrates on which so many birds depend. 
the American Bird Conservatory has called on the EPA to ban the use of neonics as seed treatments and suspend all use of the chemical pending independent review of their effects. Europe has a two-year ban on three neonics. They're also asking pesticide companies to develop tools needed to diagnose poisoned birds and wildlife. Because presently, there is no easy way. There's no biomarker with which to identify neonic poisoning as the smoking gun in a dead animal. And they want the EPA to upgrade the incident reporting system for dead birds. The agency doesn't require companies to report any bird fatalities involving fewer than 200 of a so-called flocking species. Parker says this is unrealistic. You will almost never find a pile of dead birds in a field. That's not how they die. They die alone. They fly off. And it's not sort of in your face, but it's happening. Suzanne Tomasi points out more green corridors near a housing project. She spends a lot of time doing work on the island of Borneo these days, where birds are under threat from habitat lost to logging and palm oil plantations and climate change. But conservation is also happening, she says, and like here, many are doing their part to create pesticide-free habitat and keep cats indoors. She calls for birds. There was a spotted towhee, and they're a great example of an urban bird that relies on these areas. Bird Sounds provided by naturesound.org. Green Acre Radio is funded with support from the Human Links Foundation, engineering by C.J. Lazenby. From the studios of Jack Straw Productions, this is Martha Baskin.